This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Liz, the Chief Mom Officer, and when I'm not busy being the breadwinner of my family of five, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from FinCon 2017, one more time, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, neighbor. I'm Joe's mom's other neighbor. They call me Doug. And on today's show, we're headed back to the floor of FinCon 2017 in Dallas, Texas, where we're meeting the people who attend this conference. Today, we'll have money discussions with our new friends from KeepThrifty.com, Chris Durheim. From Fetching Financial Freedom, Felicity. High School Senior, Gita. And also from DeidraShores.com, it's Len Penzo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's financial analyst, Deidre Shores. But that's not all. In the middle of today's show, we'll introduce you to a new savings account that everyone's talking about. From Beam, we welcome... Yanan Du. And now, freshly back from Dallas, but still nothing like a cowboy, Joe Salciha. What do you mean I'm nothing like a cowboy? I feel comfortable in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Isn't that kind of the way cowboys dress? Hey everybody, I am Joe Salcihai, and welcome back. We're going to cap off your week with a fantastic show. You know, usually today we have our roundtable group with us, but I'm so excited. This idea I got just before FinCon, I said in past years, I've taken you around to some of the expo halls and I've shown you some of the fascinating FinTech that is all over FinCon, but we do that now on the show all the time. So rather than do that, I thought, what if we grab some people? And the only rule was this. I couldn't have ever met you before. So I set up big thanks to Brittany Burgett at 
Haven Life for letting me set up right next to their booth. So we set a table there, one of those high tops. I set my road equipment there and just grabbed people that I'd never met before. And what a good time you're going to hear with these people. And stories, you want diverse financial stories, we've got it for you today. Also, by the way, if you want diverse people working with you, how about that? How about that transition? We have to thank LinkedIn for supporting Stacking Benjamins because the best place to find great talent for your hiring needs is LinkedIn. Businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates to you. For a $50 credit toward your first job post, visit linkedin.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks, LinkedIn. Also, thanks to MagnifyMoney.com for supporting Stacking Benjamins. You know, when you're trying to stack Benjamins, how about an extra $450 in your pocket? Because that's the average amount of money people walk away with in savings when they head to MagnifyMoney.com. So whether it's your checking account, savings account, comparison shopping, credit cards, whether it be zero interest, reward cards, if you've got to take out an auto loan, consolidation loan, whatever it might be, student loans, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Man, a great show today. Yanandu, a fantastic guy who runs this cool savings account called Beam that everybody, frankly, everybody, you know, I've said before, everybody's talking about it. Beam, everybody is talking about. We've got him here coming to the basement, but let's start off. I'm going to take you down to the floor at FinCon 2017, right outside the Haven Life booth. And let's see who my victims are. They're going to tell us their money story. Felicity. Yes, hi. I just met you. You did, Joe. So tell me, who are you? So I'm Felicity. I blog at Fetching Financial Freedom. And I am a huge money nerd, obviously, and a background of electrical engineering, working software. And My I, son's an electrical engineer. Is he now? I just found out that he got a job. He got a real job. A real job. Which is amazing. I remember my first real job. It was a huge thrill. <laughs> I want to ask you about that yeah. in a second because I think that's a good topic for yeah, us to talk about. But, totally. But for, you were telling me about your dog. Yes. One of the things that I think is kind of interesting with personal finance and stuff in general is a relationship with money. One of the biggest kind of revelations in my life was when my dog, who we got about three years ago, hadn't even owned him for a year and he's already kind of an elderly dog. And we we're walking one day and he was perfectly fine. And then suddenly he was dry heaving. Then we were in the emergency vet. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were handed an itemized bill for $5,000 or our dog dies. Oh. And at that time, I mean, even right now, my rent's like less than $1,200. We'd spend uh, less than $3,000 a month. It was a lot of money for us. We had, because of engineering and stuff like that, we had money saved up, but it was still this, I, I felt really bad because I was thinking, this is a lot of money and this is an old dog, but I was just thinking, you know, the whole your money or your life yeah. um, thing. And when I stopped thinking of it in terms of this is a, more money than I've spent on anything in my life, like it's more money than my car is worth. My car is like worth $1,000 right now. But when I started thinking about it in terms of time and money saved, it was the easiest decision we ever made in our lives. And uh, we actually did end up coming out with it costing only a little bit over 4000 <laughs> because he got out a day early. And um, my husband was so... So $1,000, say, you saved $1,000 for, for one day. For one day. That's an expensive hotel. Yeah. <laughs> 
extremely expensive. And it was funny too because my husband, um, he does all the cooking and he was preparing like all of his favorite food. So he, we had like all of these containers of like chicken, chicken stock, because he could come home early and we just wanted him to be well. We didn't yeah, really yeah. care about no, the- No, right, right, yeah, right. He's um, a member of your family. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And so we had all these, these um, like to-go containers and things fill out with like all these random foods that my husband spent like hours cooking. The one thing he ate was like this um, generic milk bone. Of course. That was the one thing he was interested in. Of course. In. And of then course. it was, we knew that there was a difference because we could visit him the day before and he was so groggy and out of it. But on that day when we could take him home, his tail started wagging again and oh. it was hitting against the wall, just like pat, 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 pat. And it was the best feeling in the world. That is so awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. Let's talk about your first job. Sure. So do you come from a family that uh, talked about money or? A little bit. We were like upper middle class. We didn't have like a lot of random toys and things like that, but we would travel. And I always had uh, an interesting relationship with money because I was very conscious of it. Okay. I never like, you know, like threw it away or something like that. Yeah. So. I always kind of had a saving mindset. Okay. Yeah. So you're naturally kind of frugal. A little bit, yeah. Okay. But it's funny because with the first job, I would, uh, I, I had this impulse to like now that I'm making real person money, I have to spend you know more money on clothes so I can be a professional. Well, what did you do? Because like with my son. Yeah. Now we're talking because I'm in this business. Yeah. We're talking about like automating his finances, setting up his direct deposit. 100%. Like what are some of the things that you did once you got out of college and had the job? Oh yeah. One of the things is I, I knew I should be saving and investing, and I even knew that index funds are probably a good idea if you don't really know. I didn't, the funds weren't labeled index. Oh, so I didn't yeah, actually yeah. know which funds were which. So I think just stepping through and understanding what funds are which and if you want to do. A, How did you solve that problem? <laughs> it took me about a year or so before I actually looked into it. I picked some random things that were low cost, but I didn't really think about how it should be, like what my allocation should be. So I kind of only really thought about allocation like years after I started. <laughs> but still, you know, doing something. Yeah, doing something is always better than nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. And so you saved, did you did you start off saving a lot of your money or did you feel like? Yeah. Because I would, I would think, going back to me and, and my first job, yeah. I totally thought, I don't have money to save long term. I need as much money for a new car for yes. my apartment for oh, all this stuff. 100%. I was starting off saving for a down payment more, so I didn't even save up to the company match first year. That was a huge mistake, and I, I really regret that. I mean, it's not like it it's um, changed things too much because we're still probably on track for me to retire before 30. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it was something that I definitely should have done at that time, especially considering uh, we actually never ended up buying a house. We're still renting to this day. Wow. <laughs> but still, you save a bunch of uh, money. Why did you decide not to buy a house? So I live in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. Houses around my work are kind of a minimum $500,000. And we don't need a lot of space. We're, we have a one bedroom with off street parking and we have a basement with a washer dryer to ourselves. And that's more than enough for, for us and our dog. And yeah. uh, the rent actually hasn't changed at all because our lease auto renews. So we're in a really good situation and a really good location for work and everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and the down payment on getting that same location. It's huge. Yeah, and I did the math actually. Wow, you're an engineer and you did the math? Yes. That's weird. I've never heard that. 
that surprising, before. Surprising, right? Yeah, huh? Actually, I did the math, and I also, we put together a calculator, because you know the New York Times stock uh, buy versus rent uh, yeah, yeah, calculator? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But we were thinking of doing like a multifamily property and maybe being like landlords. Sure. So we made our own calculator for that situation. So it's we, it's on our site, and it's called uh, like uh, landlord versus stocklord. So you can put in like how much you're renting for right now and how much, uh, how, like how many units and the rent for the units. So you can see like uh, for a multifamily property specifically, doesn't make sense. And it made no sense whatsoever in our area. So you should uh, tell my friends at uh, Bigger Pockets. Yes, I actually I uh, talked with um, Scott. Yes, Scott yes. Trench. Yes, I talked to Scott. Yes, I met him, and I'm, I need to send an email after the conference. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us about fetching financial freedom. What's coming up on the blog? Yeah. So um, it's been a blog that's been around for a while, but for the first year or so, um, uh, I think I started in the very end of 2015, I told absolutely uh, no one. So unsurprisingly, no one read it. That's weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so strange how that happens. No marketing, nobody reads it. Yeah. No, no marketing, no outreach, no social media. Right. Like, of course yeah, not. Can't didn't even that. tell friends or family. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get it up and going a lot more regularly now, and a lot of it's just I really try to write posts that would help me. So if I am trying to look up something, like we were considering buying a new car, and I found it just overwhelming the information out there. So I just compiled all of the resources that I actually found helpful, and I kind of did like tiers of like, if you're only going to go to one site to look up this thing, these things, go here, and if not, go you know if you want to go into more detail, go to these sites. And we actually ended up uh, just repairing our car, which cost about $1,500 because like, all of the exhaust system was rusted oh, wow. and had to go. And our car, um, when we were talking to a dealer, they only offered us like $500 for the car. Yeah, right, right, right. But yeah. it made more sense yes. with depreciation and all these other things. But it was uh, it was an interesting experience. That's interesting. I love how you take your data and you just make it, put it out there for everybody else to see. Yes. If you're making the decision, somebody else is going through the same stuff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, in some ways, I try to write for my future self because I know eventually I'll have to you know, go back and uh, maybe consider real estate again, or yeah. uh, eventually I'll have to buy a car. <laughs> Felicity, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm standing here with my new BFF, Gita. Is that how you pronounce that it? That escalated quickly. Yes, that is how you pronounce it. Yes, and I don't know you. I've never met you. Nope. Our mutual friend, Rocky, dragged you yes. over. Thank you, Rocky, for doing gently. that, by the way. Still <laughs> gently dragged. Right, right. And I can see you didn't want to be here at all. So what do you do? Why are you at FinCon? I'm actually still in high school. I'm a senior this year. Awesome. 17 years old. Cool. So this is my second FinCon. I come here because I love to meet people and learn more about the personal finance and business space. And so last year, I didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do with my life or any of those ideas. And then over the course of the past year, I've actually gotten more ideas. And now I'm working on getting a blog started and potentially even a video course taking ideas like personal finance, business, psychology, all those things for teens, instead of having adults teaching teens, taking a teen teaching a teen in a relatable, um, relevant way. So what year in school, you're your senior? Senior, yes. Yes. The, uh, when you talk about having ideas about what you want to do, I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 22. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so what are some of the, you talked about having a blog, having a, but generally, like life-wise, what are some of your ideas? Some of my ideas for life. Still trying to figure that out. I know that I don't want to follow the traditional nine to five path, going to college. Why is that? Getting a job. 
I feel like it's that dream is slowly disappearing. Everybody says, oh, well, that's the stable way to do things. That's not the stable way to do things because you're at the mercy of your employer. Like that employer can choose to fire you at any time. And a lot of those jobs, machines are replacing them or you're just kind of stuck there. You're not really doing any meaningful work. But you got to see a bunch of your friends in high school don't think that way. I mean, they're looking at whenever I, I give a speech at a high school, everybody asks me 57 questions around how do I get into debt, right? How do I get a car payment? How do I take out a loan? How do I? They don't think the same way. Yes. A lot of my friends think it's kind of weird that I'm doing this. <laughs> I mean, like just coming to conferences and stuff, they're like, oh, FinCon, is that like Comic-Con? Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Some kind of yeah. like weird convention. And I'm like, kind of, but not really. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's Comic-Con for money nerds. Comic-Con for money nerds. Yes. Yeah. That's right. an interesting way to put it. Right. And I have the, gla the glasses that I'm wearing are my cosplay. Like really? I'm, yeah, I just do this. I, I don't wear glasses. I just want really? to be a nerd. So, you yes. just wanted to look smarter. No, I, yeah, that's right. I want to look smarter. <laughs> I want to look actually smart. Oh but anyway, got to take step one before step two. So you haven't you haven't done the blog yet. Um, I kind of got it started. Like I had the idea for it um, a couple, maybe three years ago. So basically learning from people better than I was because I just, I talked to a bunch of entrepreneurs, freelancers, like my dad has introduced me to a lot of great people within different areas of the community. So I was like, hey, what if I take these ideas that I'm learning and then I share them with other teenagers? Wait, is your dad Rocky? Yes. That's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I see the connection now. Yes. That's, that's cool. Well, he's a great guy to learn from. We're going to have... We, we have to have Rocky on the show soon. He, he hangs out in our, uh, well, he's got a great podcast, number one. Number two is is that he hangs out in our Facebook group and gives people great advice. But anyway, so the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now I know why you have that uh, that point of view. And by the way, we'll link to Rocky's podcast on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But what's your blog? My blog is helpmebegreat.com. Helpmebegreat.com. So, still getting that up and running. I did post on it when I was like 15 years old, so I'm 17 now. So I read over the stuff that I posted when I was 15 years old. Yes. And I was like, we are not going to keep those published unless we edit them. So right now, things are currently getting reworked and new content's in the process of being put up. You know you're going to have to do it now that you've been on the Stacky Benjamin show. Yes. you gotta, you got to get that gotta thing going. you got to get that done within the next, what, week, something yeah, like that. That's right. By next Friday. Next Friday. Right. Gita, thanks for hanging out. Yes, thank you so nice much. Nice to meet you. Me. Yeah, it was great meeting you. Hey there, money nerds. I'm Joe Spawn's neighbor Doug here to save the day with my delicious trivia segment. Since Joe just returned from Dallas, thought we should squeeze in one more question about this Texas city. So let's try this one. Which convenience store chain was founded in Dallas in 1927 when the Southland Ice Company began adding eggs and milk to their ice selling business? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a Slim Jim and a giant sized drink in just a moment. All right, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. 
Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Big thanks to LinkedIn for supporting our podcast. Have you ever tried to hire somebody? Because it is hard. Because, you know, often your best candidates, they might already have a job. So what if you went to a place where people go daily to grow professionally and explore job opportunities? In fact, we already know that 70% of the U.S. workforce is in this place. It's called LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network. Well, it's also a better way to find great talent. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who've posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs as 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. Our podcast is only as good as its people. It's the same for your business. Every hire matters. So don't settle for just posting and praying the right person's going to stumble on your role and apply. Head to linkedin.com slash SB and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with some Dallas-themed trivia. Here's the question. Which convenience store chain was founded in Dallas in 1927 when the Southland Ice Company began adding eggs and milk to their ice-selling business? The answer? In the early days, it was called Totem, and they had totem poles in front of the stores, but now they're known for brain freeze from Slurpees and from the bladder-testing Big Gulp drink, which means the answer is 7-Eleven. Did you get it right? Treat yourself to a hot pocket and a hostess Twinkie because you, my friend, are a winner no matter what they say. See ya. Well, something you hear about on our magnified money spots each week is just how anemic interest rates are. And when we're bragging about 1.4%, you know, life hasn't been easy for risk adverse savers. So then I heard about Beam, and I knew we had to tell you about Beam. As always, we don't endorse any of the companies we talk about here on Stacking Benjamins. I just think it's fun to bring new ideas to your ears. So here with one, coming down the basement, Yanandu from Beam. And walking down the stairs to the basement, it's Yanandu from Beam. Have a seat, man. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Well, good. You guys have been really busy on your way to launch Beam, and I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait to tell our fans about it. But before we get to Beam and exactly what you guys do, were you just frustrated with savings accounts interest rates for yourself, like you couldn't find anywhere to save? Or did you see an opportunity in the marketplace? How did you decide that this was uh, something you needed to create? I certainly didn't have enough savings to have that problem, but my mom certainly did. <laughs> right. So I guess there was really two impetus that brought brought about Beam. 
One is internal, one is external. External one would be, you know, my mother is a first-generation immigrant, and she uh, uh, has been really nagging me about how the bank account she has in Asia is paying so much higher interest than the 0.01% APY she's getting at her local bank. And so when I returned from, from Asia to the U.S. after a tour there in, in my prior jobs, it becomes obvious that this is a problem that's worth uh, my attention to. An internal reason would be that my prior experience has sat at the intersection of technology and banking. So I studied at MIT in computer science and economics. I got my degrees there as undergraduate on full scholarship. And then at age 20, I was uh, exposed to my first bank project while working as an intern at JP Morgan, New York. So, you know, back then we're looking at uh, 2003, really. And uh, we're looking at a few M&A consolidation opportunities out of the out of the West Coast. So I was exposed to the banking industry and learned there how to read a bank balance sheet and income statement, which are very different from any of their companies. And I later on worked at KKR. It's a private equity firm. And uh, some of my investment assignments were bank related. So Ultimately, that background gave me a sort of a lens of looking at the space. And when I was uh, coming off of my prior company, I was an entrepreneur in, in a prior company before that grew to 2,000 employees. As an entrepreneur at heart, I was looking for the next problem to solve and primarily looking for the intersection of three things. One is finding a big problem in a big industry. Two is really an opportunity that can apply my skill set and background in banking technology fully. And then three is, you know, industry nerdy enough to make my heart sing, so to speak. Um, so I think, I think Beam, Beam came out of that sort of searching process and become what it is uh, today. We're still at early stage of our, our product development process, but certainly very much excited uh, as you are in terms of uh, trying to tackle this problem and try to serve customers better. Well, you know, you're about to make a lot of money nerds heart sing too, because obviously when you go to meetbeam.com, the first thing it says is, a two to four percent APY guaranteed, and clearly, as you mentioned, this is an area that was that was prime for disruption. But I guess if you're looking at two to four percent APY guaranteed, banks are paying, as you mentioned, very very little. How can you pay so high an interest rate for people when banks pay so low? Right. This is actually one of the first questions we uh, we get for a lot of the customers we interview and, and talk to. The fact that banks are making four and a half and to 5% on average on every dollar deposit is very little known, which is somewhat of a trade secret within the banking community, but really not known outside to the depositors or consumers alike. So after knowing that fact, most of the people what we interview are, are quite surprised and very few people know that banks are making so much on their deposit, but they are. So I think that, you know, really the primary source of that, how much banks can pay customers is from that Four and a half percent to five percent interest uh, they're making on the loans. We think that basically there's a lot of room for banks to be paying higher than what they're paying right now, and their interest rate banks pay depositors are primarily set by them, not by the regulators, like most people would think. So it's really a very private commercial activity. So really, what lies between that gap, if you would call it, is two things, right? One is the profit banks want to to retain for themselves. So banks are not least greedy of all companies. Uh, two is, uh, I would say that the costs involved in an operation and acquiring customers, servicing customers. We try to focus on those three things and try to do things a little better. Well, that's what I was going to uh, mention was that I think a clear differentiator of Beam and a bank is that while a bank's trying to do 47 different things, 
you're also doing one and you're doing it in a very, very automated direct to consumer way. Would you call that accurate? That's very accurate. And it's a good point that you mentioned that. I think one of the key differentiator of what Beam uh, is offering is that uh, Beam is not a full service bank account. Uh, we try to emphasize that Beam is essentially a, a limited service supplementary bank account to your primary bank account, the banks like Chase or Wells Fargo. And it's not meant to displace your primary checking account. In other words, uh, we believe Wells Fargo and Chase are doing their job quite well. There are certain things that are better done with them. But for us, we just focus on one thing, which is uh, we want to offer the best possible bank account or savings account that can provide you the most value. And that is one thing that we focus on. Frankly, that focus, we're relentless focus on just doing one thing well and safely is one of the important reasons why we can provide those better rates uh, versus some of the more full service banks. It is kind of similar to some of the, I guess, neighborhood community banks you uh, might be used to seeing. And the, part of the reason they were able to potentially offer higher interest than some of the bigger banks is because the, they're very focused on their offerings. They're very um, kind of lean on their overhead. And to be clear, though, this is an apples to apples comparison when you're comparing this to a bank account. A lot of people try to compare like a money market fund to a bank account, but yours is an FDIC insured bank account, just like you would get at Bank of America. That's correct. So we work with a variety of partners, including banking institutions themselves, who partnered with Beam on a commercial basis to offer the FDI insured bank account. Beam, just to be clear, is not a bank. So therefore we do not, are not covered by FDIC, but the account itself, uh, which frankly is sitting at the partnering bank that we work with, are FDIC insured. Gotcha. So Beam is not, but people put money into the account. The account is. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Walk me through it, Yanan. How does it work? When I go to meetbeam.com, what happens? Right. So first, because we are kind of limited in terms of the capacity we can serve customers initially, we ask all customers to go on meetbeam.com, uh, our pre-launch site, to sign up. All you need to do is provide your email, and we'll uh, essentially what that do is they'll save you a spot so that we will notify you when the uh, service is fully available to the public. Uh, so be the first to get access to Beam if you sign up uh, within the next few months. And once that happens, when Beam service is ready, we'll be releasing, uh, sorry, rolling off uh, customers uh, who are at the front of the wait list and then be able to offer them essentially a link to download the Beam app. So Beam currently only offers mobile apps. We allow the customers to onboard and verify themselves, uh, the KYC, ML, all the good stuff. Uh, within a 60-second process. We try to make that very simplified in terms of onboarding experience for the customers. And then you can connect uh, your primary checking account. Let's say if you're using Wells Fargo or Chase, you can connect, uh, log into your online through Wells Fargo or Chase and be able to move money from that account to Beam and out of it within the same business day or the next business day. So basically, you know, Beam account is an account where you can uh, work alongside your primary bank account to help you or more from your the cash in your bank. Two questions. First one is about the app itself. Is it Android, iOS, both? We'll be starting with iOS first because I think that helps for us to learn more about customer demands and be able to service them well. But eventually, Android will be in service as well. Got it. And then the second question is around getting money out. So let's say I have an account at, uh, we won't pick on Wells Fargo because we picked on them a lot lately. Let's say, I have, <laughs> let's say I have a Chase account and I move money over. How long does it take money to get into my Beam account from Chase? And how much? How long does it take to get it back out? Uh, usually one to two business days. Okay. Yeah, so same both ways. Okay. So uh, it's usually going through the ACH process with uh, that basically powers all the money movement between banks. 
Got it. So if I've got, it's the same thing as any direct deposit that I have then. Right. Yeah. That's right. And so this should not be then my primary bank account. I would think, well, you even said that earlier, this should be a secondary, like a second tier cash reserve. Right. It's basically a high interest paying savings account, yeah. uh, if you will. So the, one of the reasons I say that is because for at least for the first release, Beam is not offering any debit cards or check services or uh, many of the other services that you expect from a, a typical checking account. And so, you know, as a result, I think we're able to save on some of those costs and be able to pass on more to customers in terms of interest. And then my next question is around, uh, uh, well, we already asked about security because of FDIC. How do you guys make money? Do you make money on the spread like a bank does, but it's much narrower because your process is more automated? Beam is actually a technology service provider. We basically charge our banking partner for the service we provide to them. And that's mainly around managing uh, the deposit operations for them, right? So our interaction with the customers and the, all the R&D development costs for the mobile banking app, so forth. And those are the services we provide to our banking partner institutions. And that's the primary source of our revenue. And we don't really make money off the spread. I have one last question, which has nothing to do with Beam. We we toured MIT when my kids were were looking at, at colleges, and that campus was so much different than any other college campus we went to. Tell me a little bit about your experience at MIT, because that just seems like that seems like a whole different world. Right. Well, MIT has a reputation of being the holy grail of intensity. Right. <laughs> so, right. So uh, I, I'm not sure, uh, Joe, which month you went, but uh, you know, did you go on the nicer season during we, the? We did. The yes. Spring? Yeah, it was in the yeah. spring. Right. Right. So spring was beautiful. I think that. Um, I went, my first MIT experience was during springtime. It was in the early April when they did the campus uh, preview weekend. I fell in love with the city, uh, partially ignorant, ignorant of the fact that it's Boston. and Boston's weather can be quite drastic right. at a different season. So, uh, but, but the experience itself was amazing. I, I think I owe a lot of gratitude to the institution, uh, mainly because I mentioned earlier, I was effectively on a full scholarship. So I really got my education for free. I think there's a lot of indebtedness on my part to that institute. So um, I certainly learned a lot and like being pushed to the edges a lot in terms of all areas. I, yeah. I actually I was rolling in college as well. I picked up a varsity sports while I was studying there. So there's, uh, I think both mentally and physically, there was a lot of uh, challenges. And as a result, I think it did grow a lot during those years. I'll tell you, I, I love for people that don't know some of the crazy pranks that you guys do at MIT, but people should just look those up online because there's some... <laughs> there's some amazing things that you guys have done, like uh, setting up a roller coaster overnight. I remember putting a, well, well, yeah, I'll just let people look those up, but it's, it's, it's meetbeam.com. And by the way, on our show notes page, if you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash beam, you'll also get there. That's B E A M uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash beam. You not do. Thanks for hanging out with us and good luck with your launch. Thanks Joe. Big thanks to Yanan for coming down to the basement. All right, let's go back to the floor of FinCon 2017, where I'm hanging out just outside the Haven Life booth on the expo floor. And I grab people and ask them to tell me their money story. And I'm joined here by Chris Durheim. We just went over our friend Claudia from Two Cup House and I came over and we we dragged you over here. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you didn't want to be on. 
I, you know, begrudgingly. You guys pulled me over. I was <laughs> absolutely. I, there's not much I could do. I'm surrounded by people. I'm kind of stuck. So. Well, tell me your money story. Sure. So I just left my job actually this summer. So I worked at Corporate America for 13 years. My wife and I have always been fairly financially disciplined, and we kind of had a whole confluence of events that led us to say, you know what? This is the right time to do something different, so I'm taking the next 14 months off. So what's, what's the confluence of events? We are fairly minimalist, and we've been looking to downsize from our housing situation. So we were going to be selling our house, which was like 1,900 square feet, going down into an 1,100 square foot apartment. Okay, you and Claudia are BFFs then. Yeah, yeah, and they're tiny. I think we're about on par with them on square footage per person, though, because we've got a 7-year-old and twin 5-year-olds. Holy so cow! We went from a 4-bed, 3-bath with 2 living rooms and all the craziness down to a 2-bedroom, two 2-bathroom two apartment. Just nice and simple. What made you decide to make that move? Part of it was just, I mean, we had this house and we were filling it with stuff. And it was stuff that we didn't need, stuff we didn't want. And so I always like to say we had two living rooms. Who needs two living rooms? We had three bathrooms. We only ever used one or two at a time, right? I mean, if you have all three bathrooms taken up at the same time, your family's probably having some issues, right? Yeah. So we just kind of got to this point where it was like, this is more space than we need, more space than we want. We're paying the property tax. We're paying you know, all this extra to have this space that we're not really using or enjoying. And you've already sold it? Uh, starting that seven day span, I was in a house in the suburbs with a full-time job. And by the end of it, I was jobless living in an apartment. So we had like this huge transition at the end of June. And so basically what happened is when we were gonna sell our house, we realized that we had all this equity. And I'd been working towards paying down our mortgage, prepaying, kind of getting 100% out of debt. That was the last piece of debt we had. And when we sold the house, we had all this equity we cashed out. And I'd been working towards financial independence, but my kids are seven, five, and five. And I said, look, I can either have financial independence when they're all ready to go off to college, or I can have time with my wife and kids now. And the reality is they'll let me walk them to school now when they're freshmen in college. That's just going to be weird. So I figured I'd take the time now, spend time with them. So I'm taking the year off and kind of working on my blog. And I've got an app connected to the blog that I've been developing because I'm a software guy. And just spending time with my wife and kids. And, and what did your what did your employer say when you said I'm going bye bye? You know, it was it was a really interesting conversation. I talked to my boss and I said, "Look, I think it's time for me to leave. I think it's time for me to get out of here." I think they kind of understood, you know, and everything else. But the shocker for everybody was when I said what I was going to do. You know, when I told people, I'm like, I'm not going to another job. I'm not going to, you know, go find different work. I'm going to take the next year and not do anything. And I had a lot of that spurred a lot of questions, like a lot of comments. What, I mean, huh? well, it's the most common comment I got from people was, well, that sounds really nice if you can make it work. And every time I hear that phrase, it makes me cry just a little bit because you hear the person talking to you saying to themselves, I can't possibly do this. And from my own journey, from our own situation, I feel that's not true in a lot of people's situations. It's just, what's the priority for you? And it may not be the priority for you to take that time off, but look, we sold our house and we're living off the equity. A lot of people own a good chunk of their house, and if they sold their house, they could make this work. But you got to decide, what's my priorities? Is 100% full home ownership right now the most critical thing to me? Is spending time with my family the most critical? Is travel the most critical? And so the big thing that we've been doing for ourselves and now trying to help others through our blog is figure out, you know, what do you really want to do with your life? What's important to you? And how do you redirect and be very intentional about how you spend your time and money? And it seems like the, the budget has to be, especially this year, it's got to be pretty strict. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've 
Over the last several years, we've been you know, whittling down our budget and trying to figure out what's really important. But we went into this with eyes wide open. I mean, lots of time computing, you know, what's every penny we spend. So that's actually the app I've developed. It's a spending tracking app. So we've tracked every penny for the last two years. So we knew, what does it take us to do a 12-day road trip? Because we didn't want to give that up. We do a road trip every year yeah. with kids. Once again, uh, focusing on the stuff that's important and letting right. the other stuff go. Exactly. So out of that, we say, well, we'll do this, but we won't get food out to eat three times a week. We won't buy, you know, the stuff from Target to decorate the living room and all this other kind of stuff. We've figured the things that are really important to us are going to way outweigh the little purchases along, you know, the way and kind of gone with that. So I'm imagining, Chris, your house has no furniture. You guys sit Indian style at dinner on a hardwood floor. You know, you say that you're actually closer than you think. <laughs> um, so we're fairly minimalist. Yes, Claudia and I get along like gangbusters, right? Right now we are floor sleepers. So we actually sleep on the floor. One of my wife's fun experiments that we tried in January and I was very skeptical about and we've actually come to really like it. Really? What <laughs> does that sounds? So we have- You like a very firm mattress. Yes. Uh, so we actually have upgraded a little bit. We have a Japanese rollout mat that I got off of FreeCycle. So the price was right and I wanted to try it out. And so yeah, we just roll this mat out and we sleep on it. We don't have any dressers. We just store stuff in the closets, on the shelves and on the hangers. We have a couch like two chairs in our living room. That's we what, do have a kitchen table. That's good. So, yeah. well, I don't know if that's good. I mean, yeah. you haven't tried the floor yet. Yep. You could do that next. Right, we, we may get there, who knows? Kitchen <laughs> table might go bye-bye. Right. But you know what's funny? I like about the not using the dresser because I changed that also, yep. is that I found that I have less clothing and I hoard less clothing if yes. I can see it all. Exactly. Because I'm like, okay, I can only wear so many. I'm a runner. I can only wear so many running shirts. Right, right. And I realized I had like 30 of them. I'm like, I did, so I went to 10. And, and the, the thing for me was, it was um, picking a number. It wasn't, do I like this shirt or not? Because if I like the shirt, I'm keeping everything. Right, yep. Instead it was, okay, I need 10. Which 20 are getting voted off the island? And that's a great way to do it. Yes. Yeah. Now, my wife is big on decluttering, and we went through our own journey of you know, getting clothes down to a smaller size. And right now, I mean, it's... I found myself, when I would go to the closet, I was always picking the same five shirts. Right. I had a bunch in there. I liked them. I just never wore them. It was yes. like, well, I like this one. I'm just going to grab it. And so at this point, yeah, I think I own like, a, you know, six or seven t-shirts. I've gotten, I think I've almost doubled my stash here being at FinCon because <laughs> they're everywhere, right? So You are frugal. Like, oh, free <laughs> shirt? Yeah, right. right. I'll take that. Right. <laughs> yep. so, so tell us what's going on in the blog right now. The name of the blog is? Yeah, the name of the blog is Keep Thrifty. Keepthrifty.com. Yep. Um, so we actually just uh, recently have started making some big changes. So I do about one post a week. We talk about a little bit of everything. So mini retirement, money, minimalism, even some things that don't start with the letter M make their way in. Um, occasionally, just yeah. just rarely. Yeah, that's getting nuts in the money world. Right. We don't want to do that too often. Right, right. Um, so we actually, I recently started recording my posts in audio form just because I know some people actually don't like reading stuff all day long. Some people listen to audio? Some people, apparently. I bet Rumor of, has it. I Have you heard of this? It's a of, thing now, I guess. One of our two listeners might like. <laughs> right. Might actually have heard about that. Right. Um, and then we just last week started doing uh, YouTube videos too. So... We're kind of all over the place. We're trying a bunch of stuff out and just having fun with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, our, our big goal is to help people just kind of see what's important to them, see what their dreams are, because a lot of times we get into just that spending pattern of, I did all sorts of stuff this month, my paycheck's gone, and I'm not destitute, yeah. but I'm also not feeling like I'm getting anywhere. Yeah. So. Chris, thanks for coming by yeah, and uh, letting so us much. get to know you. And by the way, we'll have a links to all of Chris's stuff at our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, it's man. Been a pleasure.
All right, our next victim on, on the Meeting People at FinCon yeah. episode, Deidre Shores yes. joins us. I don't know you. Okay, I'm a right? Deidre Shores. No, we no, know you. Don't I just, know me. I literally dragged you over here. Yes. Made you come on the podcast. <laughs> right. So you, though, you told me that you're a financial analyst. Yes. What does yes. that mean? To be honest, a financial analyst is one that just digs deep into your numbers. That's basically what I do. Is I, that for companies or for individuals? For individuals who run small businesses. That's specifically what I focus on. Gotcha. But a financial analyst, yes, they do find places in companies. But the great thing about that is, is that a lot of small businesses or even small business owners think that financials may not apply to them because I'm just small. You know what I mean? I find that very telling. I help you dig deep into your numbers, help you tell stories with your numbers, and lots of times you will find yourself much more successful when you figure out your money story. What's the story that you hear most often? The story that I hear most often, um, a lot of my clients come to me and they're saying, Deidre, I am selling my product, selling my thing hand over fist, and I do not see the money. I just, I don't understand it. Where, where is my money? I would say that most of my client's stories boil down to just that. So they don't know what their real margin is. They do not. No idea. They and where's that money going? Just into random overhead usually? It's going out in overhead. A lot of times it's a cash flow issue, a timing issue. Sometimes I see that my clients give away a lot of free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. and so some variants of those things. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to give away free, I would think then you've got to have a plan of how do we get the hell away from free, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I yeah. think that would be that would be important. And that is exactly what we talk about. Sometimes clients uh, feel guilt. You know, uh, here I am. I'm a small business owner. Some people are just trying to make room in their budget by doing their thing. Right. And they always feel like, I need to give back in order to give. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to set boundaries around that. And a lot of times, we don't see boundaries. That, that guilt just kind of keeps us giving, keeps us giving. So uh, we talk about things like that. Apply metrics to the giving. Absolutely. Isn't that funny? Because you think if a big business does it, right, they have strict budgets, strict controls, a small business needs that even more. Even more. Because a lot of times, small business owners won't necessarily think that they have the capital to spend on those things. Again, you always think those are for the big dogs. Right. Those are for the big dogs. I, I, I don't need that or I'm not ready for that. But if you just apply principles like that from day one, Oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're seeing profits much sooner, much sooner. So. When I was a financial planner and I would work with a small business owner, one of my first questions always was, is your business working for you or are you working for your business? And almost every business owner started out, right? They didn't want to have a job, right? but then they built themselves a job Yes. and they're working hour after hour for mm -hmm. the business and they're getting no return. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What about when it comes time to sell? You really have to sit down with your goals and just think about your horizon. You know, you've got to plan for the long haul and work it out each time, each each day yeah. by day. So, I, like, it seems like that's when the numbers are most important because the new owner is going to want to know every single number. Absolutely. Like, if absolutely. I'm not going to sell, what I found was 
if I'm not going to sell, business owners, small business owners try to write off everything, mm-hmm. deduct everything, and mm-hmm. show that they make no money. Mm-hmm. And then the second they're ready to sell, they want to make it look like it's a damn cash cow. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm making money hand over fist. And so, you, you know, you, re- you really have to think about where do you see yourself in your business. Right. Um, and those things start, again, day one. If you plan to sell, most investors look at your business um, they want to see a pretty long history. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you kind of always have to have that in the back of your mind. And, you know, a lot of times uh, I ask my clients, are you set up to blow up? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot, you don't think about that. Again, people always are like, I'm just little old me or it's just little old us. Right. Keep that in the back of your mind. Keep your options open. So. How often do you see business owners commingle their personal expenses with their business expenses? Oh my God! I wish you could see me. I've I, I got my she's, hands around my. She's, she's trying to strangle her some somebody. Yeah. I've yet to work with someone who has not, in some way, shape, or form, commingled. And it's so bad. It's bad. Again, there I tell my clients, are you set up to blow up? You know, a lot of times your financial history with your business does not start until you have a singular bank account that is applied to your business. So you you have to hit the reset button, you know, when you decide, oh gosh, I see it all the time. And it's not just little old you. There are are tools, apps, accounts, everything free and low cost that can help you separate. You don't have to wait until you're making the dollars. And a lot of times we don't know what that amount is, but you don't have to wait until you're making those dollars to start treating your business like right. a business. Deidre Shores, how do people find you? You can find me at www.deidreshores.com. I'm Deidre Shores everywhere, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're out walking the dog, we'll have a link on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Deidre, nice yes. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. And there you have it. What a fun time I had at FinCon 2017, not only doing these interviews, but of course, hosting the main stage at FinCon and uh, hanging out with people. I feel like FinCon is my family reunion now. I see all these friends of mine that you meet online, just some great people, and it was great being there. Again, thanks to uh, Brittany and to the team at Haven Life for letting me hang outside their booth. All right, Doug, uh, what should we have learned on today's show? Yeah, no problem, Joe. Why don't you get back to just roaming around aimlessly looking for friends? I'll tell everybody what we should have learned. What did we learn today, kids? Well, first, what's your money story? While our guests told theirs, maybe it's a great idea to tell yours. Not only can you help someone else learn how to save, but you might do a better job for yourself. Second, suffering from low interest rates? Look around. Fintech companies like Beam are coming to the rescue with innovation that you won't find at your big bank. But the big lesson? Don't show Joe's mom the new cowboy boots you picked up on sale at a thrift store in Dallas because then you're going to be Joe's mom's square dance partner all Thursday night. One word for you, flaming hot blisters. Special thanks to the FinCon attendees who told their stories today. You'll find financial analyst Deidre Shores at, wait for it, yep, DeidreShores.com. Felicity Blogs at FetchingFinancialFreedom.com. Chris Durheim at KeepThrifty.com and Gita at her local high school. 
Thanks also to Yinan Du from Beam for joining us. You'll find out more at meetbeam.com or on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm going to go buy you drinks until you find me attractive. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks also to Joe's mom for springing for square dance lessons. Yeehaw! Hey guys, no real after show today, but I need to do some cleanup here. We still haven't cleaned up from this summer. We, if, if you remember, had movies that described Doug's life, and then we went through this change in format, so I don't have a place to put it. We're going to get back to that, but I do want to clean up our prize pack winner from our last contest. And each week, I gave you a first line to the show. That had a little awkwardness in it, and I went through a ship. We talked about your ship coming in. We talked about the dog days. I think the dog days of summer. We talked about uh, shoes, and of course, all of those things as you strung them out over the eight-week period were Monopoly game pieces. So the answer to the game was Monopoly pieces. Three weeks into it, uh, Dan got it right. We had two different Dans actually get it right, but Dan, too, knows that he wasn't the right Dan. That's the Dan that answers a lot of Dan. Dan number two answers a ton of them, and he was two weeks later. But Dan was first, and then second was Stephanie. And you know what? Stephanie, we're going to send you a t-shirt. So when you hear this, uh, feel free to shoot me an email, joe at stackybedjamins.com, and we'll get you one of our cool t-shirts for being second. First, though, is our friend Dan. So Dan, when you hear this, we got a prize pack that we'll put together specifically for you. So Dan, uh, send me send me an email. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Coming up next week on the Stacky Benjamin Show, Deacon Hayes 
took home the Plutus Award for Best Personal Finance Blog, and he has a new book called You Can Retire Early. He's coming down to the basement. You've heard Deacon here quite a few times. So happy that he's going to be our featured guest on Monday because you probably haven't heard Deacon's whole story. And he's got a great story about pulling himself up by the bootstraps and also going to talk to us about retiring early. Then on Wednesday, Lisa Phillips uh, handles real estate, but she does something different than a lot of people do. She looks specifically at very, very, very inexpensive real estate, gets her hands dirty. So I'm really excited to have a real estate success story with our friend Lisa Phillips. And then on Friday, we've got the band back together. We'll have our normal roundtable team helping take us through the Friday episode. And a cool thing that I've been experimenting with, here's some tech, trying to declutter your house. Well, this company called Declutter out of London, and also they have offices in Atlanta. They are going to teach us about how to declutter your house. I did it myself, had what uh, uh, sent a box of CDs and got 60 bucks in probably an hour and then uh, I've, I've now filled out a second box, nearly got it finished, but um, pretty cool stuff with this company, Declutter. All right, that's next week. Fantastic week. But for now, go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.